Amen? Amen. I want you to open your Bible and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 today. Y'all got your Bible? Come on, how many brought your Bible to God's house today? <coughs> I got ushers waving their offering baskets. You don't want to give anything, do you, today? Anybody have anything you want to give to God? All right, come on, ushers. Come here with the offering basket. You know what? I know you want to greet the visitor. My usher, I love my ushers. They're making sure I, be, I greet our visitors. And the visitors, usually I say hi to you earlier on, but I'm just telling you, if this is your first time uh, uh, here with us today, you're our guest, and I want you to stop by the um, hospitality uh, area, the welcome, the welcome desk. I want you to stop by. Ushers, help our visitors. Look for visitors and get them over there so we can get a, a gift to all of our visitors. We are glad you're here. We'd like a little bit of information from you, so ushers, I'm going to leave that into your lap to help me with our visitors. Make sure they fill out that card so we can contact them in the future as well. But this is our opportunity to give to God what belongs to God. God forbid that any of us get to heaven and he says, why did you rob me? I mean, of all the things that God could say to us, that he questioned us in this area and on this subject, why did you rob me? And that is how God feels about us not bringing the tithe into the storehouse. It is as though we are robbing God. But it will be your choice today whether you want to obey God in giving or you want to withhold what it belongs to God. I want to encourage you, if you want to, to lock in one area of blessing at least, it is giving God what belongs to God, bringing the tithe into the storehouse. And so, Father, we do that now. We give to you what belongs to you, asking you to bless it, asking you to advance your purpose and build your kingdom by what we do here today. Bless the people that are involved in giving. Pray it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 20. I have a long text and so it will not be on the screens. I need you in your word today. I want you to see this. There's so much meat here, and it's such a powerful, powerful portion of scripture. Let me start with verse number one. It happened after that, after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now you have to understand Jehoshaphat was a godly leader. He feared God and wanted God's best, wanted to hear God and obey God. Verse number two. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Very important here, folks. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of God before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? 
and in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your namesake, saying, if, the, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are now rewarding us, if you will, by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we even know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Hallelujah. Now all Judah, with their little ones, with their wives, and with their children, they stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, who was a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the, the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you also, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, hallelujah, but God's. Come on now, somebody. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not even need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites, they stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with loud voices, voices raised loud and high. So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Come on, let's all say that together. Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Look at verse number 22. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and of Mount Seir who had come against Judah, God's people, and the enemy was defeated. Father, thank you for your word. We ask now, Lord, that you would speak to us today, transform our way of thinking, transform our way of living. In Jesus' name, 
It was Easter morning in 1799. The people of Feldkirk, Austria were terrified. Indeed, they believed this Easter would probably be the very worst day of their lives. In fact, they believed this Easter could possibly be the very last day of their lives. Outside of the city gates stood Napoleon's army, and he wanted in. The citizens were ready to raise the white flag of surrender and let the army in to overtake the town. But the bishop of the church had another agenda. <laughs> in a voice trembling with emotion, he said to the townspeople, this is Easter Sunday. This is the day of our king's resurrection. We must have at least one moment of triumph on this great day. Let us at least ring all the bells of Easter. Fearfully, the people agreed. Soon the sound of church bells pealing out a celebration of victory began to fill the air throughout the town. Napoleon's army was astounded. Napoleon's army was confused. What could it mean? It didn't take long for the generals to conclude that the only one possible explanation that could account for such a celebration. It must mean that the Austrian army had arrived sometime during the night to help defend the town. The story is told that the bells were still ringing when the French army broke ranks and fled the scene. Like the story we just read of Jehoshaphat's army, the story of Feldkirk, Austria, is a powerful reminder of the power of praise. Do you know that you have one of the most powerful weapons always available to you wherever you go? Last week we took some time to establish the fact that our tongues are a weapon. The power of the tongue, we speak death or life with our words. Praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon of warfare. The enemy wants you dead. The enemy wants you down. The enemy wants you defeated. It's all consuming. He's eaten up with this thought. It's all he thinks about is your demise. Did you know that? John 10.10 10 tells us, For the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and to destroy. There it is. It's all he's after. Your destruction, your humiliation, your demise. He wants you dead. He wants your soul. But we have a weapon to fight against the enemy one that he cannot stand, one that makes absolutely no sense. It is our praise. Praise is one of the most powerful and effective ways to defeat the enemy and win the victory. But there are some things to consider in order to win the battle with praise. Are you ready for this, church? We must first talk about your decision to praise. You see, 
If you don't decide to praise, don't worry about winning the victory with praise. It's just not going to happen, not with that particular weapon. Praise is a choice that you make. And I would dare say the vast majority of, of those in this room here today, at some point in this service already, you've made your decision. And you began to praise. We've done it through song. We've done it through clapping. We've done it through, we've shouted to the Lord. We have praised God loud and high here today. And it has been a weapon. It has been a weapon and there has been breakthrough in this room today because of the power in praise. I believe that you can win with praise. Winning with praise. You believe you could win with praise? Oh, I believe it. But you can't if you don't decide that to praise and to use praise as a weapon. Jehoshaphat understood this. He made a decision. Actually, there were several decisions that Jehoshaphat made that I thought were noteworthy. The decision started with the leader. Jehoshaphat was the leader, godly man, wanting God's way and wanting God's will. Jehoshaphat made a decision to, first of all, seek the Lord. Look at verse number three. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. That tells me that he didn't just stumble upon the Lord. He set himself to seek the Lord. He made a decision. I'm, I'm afraid that they're going to they're gonna defeat us. I'm afraid that they're bigger than us. I'm afraid that there's more of them than us. But I'll be right back because I've got to set myself to seek the Lord. And fear is a natural emotion. It is a human emotion, and we all grapple with fear. <coughs> we all will deal with fear from time to time, but fear should be the signal for you. It's time to set yourself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat feared, and next he sought the Lord. Jehoshaphat made a decision not only to seek the Lord, Jehoshaphat made a decision to obey the Lord. Now remember, the Bible's very clear. If you seek the Lord, you will find the Lord. He said, seek me and you will find me. And so if you go seeking the Lord, you're going to find the Lord. And when you find the Lord, you're going to hear his voice. And I believe God will, will speak very clearly. God has no problem clearly speaking into your life and speaking the plan that he has for your life. He'll do it through his word. He'll do it through uh, brothers and sisters of, of, of like faith. He'll do it through your pastor. God, God wants us to know his plan. But when he speaks his plan, I wonder if we're ready to obey it. Has God ever spoken to you something that you'd rather he didn't say to you? God ever told you to do something that you were like, oh God, really? <laughs> If you've never had an oh God really moment, then you haven't really lived as a Christian. Come on now. I mean, God's had, move, move to where? Move to what? Move my family to California? Oh God, really? Didn't make any sense to me. There are plenty of people in Indiana that need God. Karen was working at the bank 
and the, he was the vice president then. He's now been promoted to the president of the bank, and she was, she was working under him. He wanted Karen to be his personal assistant. I mean, she was so good at what she did. He wanted to move her up, and, and she told him that we were moving. At that time, we were going to move to Chicago, and he said, well, there's, isn't there plenty of unsaved people or sinners in Terre Haute? He's not a believer, but he was, he, you know, isn't there people that need God here? But see, when God speaks, when you set yourself to seek him, he's going to speak and you've got to listen, but then you've got to obey. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when you really would rather not do it. Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, then he obeyed what God told him to do. He made, but he had to decide to obey. See, we decide every day if we're going to obey God or disobey God. And if you don't obey God, then by default, you already disobeyed God. There's really no gray area here, church. Not to beat a dead horse, but let me beat this horse. It's astounding to me how many believers followers of Christ do not tithe. But I believe that it is in direct disobedience to God's word. Complete and clear disobedience to God's word. Does everybody know what a tithe is? A tithe is 10% of all of your increase. 10% of your earnings. It belongs to God and it's to be brought into the storehouse of God. You need to be tithing to God and to the work of God. And if you don't tithe and offer God what already belongs, it, it sounds silly to even say it like this, offer to God what belongs to God, but that's what he's asking us to do. I believe you're in disobedience. And I would just hate to have to hear God say to me, why did you disobey me in this area? And I know there's some saying, well, didn't you already take up the offering? This isn't about the offering. Here goes the pastor talking about money again. This isn't about money. Do you, do you not think that this church could go right on with or without your money? It can, it will. Because this isn't about money. It's about obedience to God and a matter of our heart. Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He made a decision to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat made a decision to obey the Lord, and Jehoshaphat decided to praise the Lord. God's command and God's directive was win the battle through praise. Huh? He said, don't fight. Huh? They're ready to fight, to defend. No, not this time. Stand still, position yourselves, appoint singers and praisers, and you won't even have to fight in this battle. But you will win. But Jehoshaphat had to decide to praise as well. He could have just said, well, here's God's word, y'all praise, and he's over here doing something else. He, he led the way. And I believe that we ought to follow the leader. Do y'all play follow the leader as, as children? Remember that little game, follow the leader? Well, this ain't a game that I'm talking to you about today. This is not a game. I believe that we should follow the leader. 
When God speaks from this desk, I believe we need to receive it. And I want to say to you, as Paul said to the people in, in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Christ. I am, a, I am a person of praise. I understand that. Praise is a passion for me. I make no apologies for that. I believe I've seen the hand of God move through praise. And I have been set free by praise. And I've seen God answer by praise. And praise has gotten me through more than one situation. But it was a decision that I had to make. Church, I want you following the lead. Let's be a church of praise. Let's be people of praise. Jehoshaphat decided the people followed in their decision. In order to win with praise, the first step is making a decision to praise. I also want to talk to you about the direction of your praise. Look at verse number 12. It says, O God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we even know what to do. Look at this last, last line. But our eyes are upon you. If you like Marking in your Bible, that's a good one right there. Take your pen and just underline those words. But our eyes are upon you. There's more of them than us. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They've got more powerful weapons than us. We don't even know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Where is your direction today? What are your eyes upon? You know, they brought the beggar in, in, in Acts chapter 3. The, a lame man was brought. A beggar was brought to the, to the gates of the, of the temple. And he was laid there every day begging for money, begging for alms. And he saw Peter. Look at verse number 3. He saw Peter and John about to go into the temple. And he asked them for some money, fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look at us. So the beggar gave them his attention. His direction was pointed in the area of his help. Now, it turns out, Peter and John said, I don't have any money, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give it to you, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up off of that ground and walk, hallelujah. And strength came into his legs, and he began to walk and leap and praise God, and he went back into the temple, and I think I might preach that next week anyway. Where's the direction? What direction are you looking in? You're, you need help. I need help. But where are we looking for our help? We're running in the race. And we should be looking unto Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And yes, in Psalm 121, I've already referenced this once today. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Hallelujah. 
Come on, somebody give praise for God's word today. tell somebody today that the direction of your praise is critical. Don't look at the enemy. Give God praise. Don't focus on your circumstances. Give God praise. Don't look around at what's going on in everybody else's life. Give God praise. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your focus on the Lord and just praise God anyhow. The enemy doesn't know what to do with praise God anyhow. They came and repossessed my car, but I got a praise that they can't take away. The doctor gave me the worst news that I'll ever have, but I got a praise that they can't take away. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that kind of praise. That's what Clint Brown called a crazy praise. Pastor Clint Brown in Orlando, Florida, he wrote a song some years ago, said, give God a crazy praise, a praise that don't make no sense. Hallelujah. You're locked in prison and you're going to praise God anyhow? That's a crazy praise right there. Mm. You're down to your last bit of meal, your last bit of food, and you're going to give God praise anyhow? That's a crazy praise right there. Hallelujah. How about the duration of your praise? You see, it's easy to praise God when the breakthroughs come and when the bonuses come and the pats on the back. It's easy to praise God when everything's going your way. Hopefully it will be. But what about when the enemy's coming in? Can you praise God then? You can if you've become a person of praise. You see, if you're going to wait till you get thrown into prison and then all of a sudden you find Jesus, you know how many prisoners find Jesus? How many inmates find Jesus? Almost all of them. Oh, now I'm in prison. I better find Jesus. And I'm thankful. Listen, I hope it sticks. I hope they really did find Jesus. But you better find Jesus before they're talking about throwing you in jail. And you better know how to praise him beforehand. This was interesting to me. Jehoshaphat and God's people praised him before the battle. Look at verse number 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with, with his face to the ground, and all of Judah, all the inhabitants of, Ju of Jerusalem, the whole group, the whole army, they were together and unified, and they worshiped the Lord. They bowed before the Lord, and they worshiped the Lord. They praised the Lord. This was before the battle started. Praise God before any storm comes. And if you're not in a storm right now, praise God. But just as the seasons change, seasons in our lives change. And storms blow in. Things happen. We've gone through one of the worst economies over the last three to five years. And they don't know when it's all going to even off and, and change. Are we going to let the economy determine our praise? We can't, or we wouldn't be praising for years. You've got to praise him before the battle even starts. They praised God before the battle. Of course, they praised God during the battle. Look at verse number 22. Now, when they, set, when they began to sing and, and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people, and they were defeated. The enemy was defeated. If you, if you got your pen still and you're taking some notes, 
you're going to want to underline this one word right here in, in verse number 22. It is when. Now when. That's important. Because I believe when was the signal. I believe it was like them waving, waving the signal to God. When they started to praise and sing, then God reacted and God responded and God set the ambushes. I don't know if you're getting that or not. We want God to move first. God, I want you to go ahead and defeat the enemy for me and then I'll praise you. God, can you go ahead and set those ambushes like you did for them and then I'm going to praise you. God hadn't done anything yet except give them the direction and give them the instruction that they needed. They had to do all of this in blind faith that God was God and God would do what he said he would do. And so here they are. They're probably shrugging their shoulders. I don't know. But God said to do it. And they stepped out, pointed singers. They said, Claudia, get up here. Pimo, get up here. Cheryl, get up here. Kimberly, get up here. Right? They appointed singers and players. Oh, yeah. And when they began to sing and praise, you do your part, and God will always do his part. Come on, does anybody believe that today? You do your part, and God will always do his part. Hallelujah. God is big enough to set the ambushes for you just like he did for this army. But you've got to do your part. You've got to open up your mouth. You've got to sing. You've got to praise. You've got to worship. Do it during the battle. Do it to initiate the battle. Their praise was the signal for God to set the ambushes. Their praise initiated the launch sequence. Their praise lit the fuse for the divine dynamite that would go off that day. Their praise activated the victory in the battle. Hallelujah. Praise God before the battle. Praise God during the battle. And of course, praise God after the battle. They did. Look at verse number 26. And on the fourth day, that, uh, the fourth day they assembled. Now, it's interesting. I, I want to I uh, make you aware of something right here. The fourth day that they're talking about is the fourth day after the battle was over, after the enemy was defeated. Remember, in verse number 22, the, the enemy was defeated, right? When they began to sing and praise, verse 22, the enemy was defeated. Now here we are four, four verses later. Turns out it, it ends up being four days later as well. On the fourth day, they assembled in, in, in a valley. I, could, I stumbled over that word, so I'm just going to skip it. This valley. <laughs> For there, they blessed the Lord. They were praising God before the battle, during the battle, and after the battle. What's the duration of your praise? Become a person of praise, and you will always be praising God. You'll always be praising. No matter when the battle falls, you're just a person of praise. So the, the praise will come before the battle, the praise will be happening during the battle, and praise will happen after the battle. And when this all occurs, folks, the deliverance comes. Let me wrap this up. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. I want you to look at the deliverance that came. The deliverance of praise. Verse number 27. Let me close this. Then they returned, every man from Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. 
So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, with harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. You know what? I got some more to read, but I just had an idea. I just had an idea. Could I get the choir back up here and all my singers and players? Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Brent, I want you to cue up that praise God anyhow or whatever they started with. Can we do that, Pastor Mark? Praise the Lord anyhow. Come on, choir. Come on, come on, come on, quickly. I want you to move. It says, so they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, with harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord, and the fear of God was on all the kingdom. And of those countries, when they heard, hallelujah, <laughs> I can hardly read this. <laughs> and they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quieted, for the Lord had given rest all around. Now listen, if you're taking notes, there's just a couple more things you need to jot down. When God... When the people of God were delivered because of the weapon of praise, here's what happened. The enemy was defeated. The battle was won. Come on, jot this down, then you close up your journal. The enemy was defeated. The battle was won. Joy was given. You'll have to go and look at verse 27 a little bit later, but it says joy was given. And remember, when you get joy, you get strength. Joy is like a two-for-one. Everybody likes to go to Macy's for, the, for a sale, and they're having a one-day-only sale. Now, don't forget that. Now, they have it every day, but it's a one-day-only sale. I never could forgive her that, figure that one out. But I like when I go and I get more than I bargained for. And when you get joy, you don't only get joy, you get joy and you get strength because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord, it is my strength. And God defeated the enemy, gave them the victory. Joy was given and the fear of God was known abroad and peace was given. Praise is a weapon of our warfare, but we have got to decide. I will praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on and get up on your feet, everybody. And I want us to sing this one more time. Oh, we've got some that left for dinner already. But that's all right. See, I busted out some choir members. They didn't know I was going to do that. Hey, hey, hey. Do you have a hallelujah in you anyhow? Come on. Come on and roll that track. You might have to do a little bit of ad-libbing on this. Hey! I believe I'll testify God's been good to me. Through every test and trial, I've got the victory. The enemy has tried his best to make me turn around, bring me down. But my God's never failed me yet, so I'm gonna stand my ground.
and all the people said amen. Become a person of praise. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him when the sun goes down. Praise him on the good days. Praise him on the bad days. Praise him when the highs come and when the lows come. Praise him when the twists and turns in the road happen along the journey. Become a man of praise. Become a woman of praise. Become a student of praise. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm going to dismiss you now, but I want all those who have plans to see the Super Bowl to have a good time. Seriously, have a good time. We are going to have church here tonight. For those who don't really care, uh, we're going to have church here tonight. We're going to have a very great, great time of praise and of prayer. So I want you to know that if you want to come meet me and our our pastors here tonight, we'll be here. But if you have plans to enjoy the Super Bowl, enjoy that. Enjoy your time with your friends. Enjoy your time with your family, okay? Until then, God bless everybody. and We'll look for those who are going to be here tonight. We'll look for you tonight. Have a great day. Thank you.